0: episode 32, a really great interview with Ryan from GemRate, part one. Welcome to episode 32 of The Card Diary by Hobby S. Thompson. I am your host, Denny Cards the self-proclaimed jack-of-all-trades master of none. And as I like to paraphrase Jay-Z, you could be listening to any podcast in the world right now, but you're here with me. So thank you so much for doing so. I recorded the following interview with Ryan from GemRate earlier in the month of August, just fresh after the National, but I wanted to, well, I guess I waited to get to the grading chapter and guest episodes because you know, I was kind of going through some things after National, and so I'm really glad that I got to talk those thoughts out with my sports car therapist, your sports car therapist, Rob G., the sports card therapist. And as I record this, I just hit 50,000 accounts reached in the last 30 days on Instagram. And I made a gratitude post about how I love the hobby community on Instagram, but I also love this podcast and its listeners. So thank you very much for listening. And I'm sure there's a lot of overlap in, in between the two, but uh, you know I really do appreciate all of you and the support. So okay, so here's the thing, right? We're here to talk about grading. Um, <laughs> the hobby really moves fast, y'all. Uh, just in the past week, grading has gotten a ton of attention with two ultra modern football cards going from psa four and five to bgs gem mint one of them hitting uh, i think it was a black label 10 and also card cleaning is back uh, in the hobby zeitgeist i mean it's always been a topic uh but maybe hotter now uh so to speak and so uh you know this episode really could not have come at a more perfect time but here's the thing um what you're going to hear from Ryan is truly outstanding. Um, he was such a good interview. And Ryan, I think you're listening to this because you listen to my uh, podcast as a whole, but you were excellent. So thank you so much. Uh, I may have to do three parts. I thought about doing two parts, but I was like, oh, wow, we we really went long. But it was so good. It was such good information. So I really hope people enjoy it. Um, so here's the thing. I am, you know, Denny Cards on Instagram, Denny underscore Cards. You know, I'm not not just sports cards, but I definitely post like maybe, I don't know, something like 90% sports cards. And in that 90%, probably like, I don't know, just throwing out numbers out there at this point, but like 75% basketball and and especially pre-Panini basketball. But, you know, there are, um, you know, it's Denny cards and I don't discriminate and I love cardboard all types and my kids love Pokemon and TCG. And I remember collecting Magic the Gathering cards when I was a kid. Um, but you know, it's funny because there are other members in the card family on Instagram. (laughs) So, uh, you know, uh, just to name a few basketball card guy, shout out to Jonathan sports card therapist. We just mentioned Rob, of course, nineties kick card collector, uh, Curtis, like, you know, shout out to all of you. But you know, when your name is just cards, it's funny because there is still a bias or presumption that we are talking about sports cards. But the world of Pokemon and TCG, but I guess really just Pokemon, actually outperforms sports cards, at least in the card grading space. And that's what you can see when it comes to our guest, Ryan, because, uh, you know, I I was listening to the recording so I could know when to kind of like, you know, make it into a part one, part two. And I haven't gotten to part three yet, but I'm I'm still figuring all that out. But he made a post on Instagram on August 1st about grading in July 2023. And you can go check it out yourself. But just in PSA, and we're just talking about, you know, one grading company, but of course the, the main company um, when it comes to resale value. In one month, July 2023, over 500,000 cards were submitted for grading just in Pokemon. Okay. Baseball just under 200,000 football, about 130,000 basketball, almost a hundred thousand other sports combined. They don't even crack hundred thousand. So combine all of those non Pokemon cards, AKA sports cards, and you still, you still don't even get close to just Pokemon. And, you know, it's really interesting because, you know, this grading space, uh, we have to remember, it's not just about cards. Of course, this is the card diary, uh, uh, but there's also, uh, I guess what I'm saying is it's not just single cards. There's also grading of sealed wax packs. Um, and I think, I don't know about boxes, but I've definitely seen sealed packs. Uh, I, I know B, BBCE does the sealed wax um, authentication, uh, but there's grading for all sorts of items such as coins, music, uh, Funko Pops, video games. Um, you know, why don't we just go ahead and grade books, clothing, shoes, purses, (laughs) furniture, sports cars, uh, non-sports cars like minivans. Uh, why don't we just go ahead and grade food, um, animals? Well, I guess not living like taxonomy to animals, plants, fruits, vegetables. Um, that makes me think of a really bad joke, but. Yeah, just digest it all through your body. Let's grade all that. (laughs) Um, This is where I could really use a co-host to be like, okay, Denny, that's way too far. You got to stop with that. But my main point was, you know, PSA, we think about them with card grading uh, and especially sports cards. But they have this whole other big component when it comes to Pokemon that passes sports cards. And... It's interesting, if you look in PSA's website, they actually have a historical timeline, like a chronology uh, of where they've come as a company. And they started out as a coin grading company. Um, I had, I think I pulled it up here in Wikipedia. Uh, yeah, it's it's like, this isn't the PSA website, but just in Wikipedia, it says, PSA was launched in July, 1991 by David Hall, owner of the coin grading company, professional coin grading service to serve collectors as a third party card grader. The business initially struggled due to a low demand of collectors wanting their cards to be graded. So it's really interesting, you know, um, history and, uh, where we are, you know, where we've come from. And so, you know, this is not at all, you know, pro or anti any grading company. I just want to be very upfront about that. Um, but you know, when you are the industry leader, you you do get the most attention, right? Uh, both good and bad. Um, but you know, right now they're they're the resale king. Um, that's where people go to for uh, their grading if they want to res- um, have the highest resale value. And you know, I I have uh, been a customer of I guess four grading companies now, and I see the virtues in all of them. But it's really interesting because and and. I'm gonna have to think about maybe talking about this more in in a later intro. But you know, the why did we start grading in the first place? I I think a lot of us think about so much of the focus is on resale value because we're trying to you know, especially people are trying to grade and flip. They just want to think about the the you know having the highest monetary value for their you know holder or their slab. But you know, we can't re- forget that people do. Uh, have in the past and also still currently grade for authenticity uh, that's such a major that's a huge part of grading and so um you know people are going to continue to grade i don't think that's going to really slow down um i mean maybe maybe it stagnates or maybe it does slow down but I, I think that it's here to stay it's that that's definitely true in in the uh, hobby so uh, i'll keep it at that i wanted to make this intro under 10 minutes so we can get right to ryan so without further ado my chat with ryan from gemrate all right i think we are live welcome to what i think will be well sorry i I won't say live like this is streaming, but this is it's a live recording. Sorry, Ryan. Uh, Welcome to what I think will be an episode numbered in the low 30s of The Car Diary by Javier Thompson. The reason I don't know for sure the episode number is because I'm trying this thing where I record a little bit ahead of time so that I can fit in guests with the chapter episode I'm doing. And right now, my chapter episode that I plan to do is for grading. So I would love to have this series of guest episodes regarding grading. And when I thought about this subject matter, I was wondering how to get an industry expert on this podcast because it's still relatively new. So how fortuitous would it be that I meet today's guest at the industry insider exclusive dinner party hosted by Beckett? I snuck into that one because I'm not an industry insider. Um, and actually, uh, I think I might have just admitted to a crime. So I might have to check the statute of limitations in Illinois for this. Um, but there were some big time hobby folks in the mist. And I actually mistook my guest for one of them. Um, Ryan, I don't know if I should say which one. <laughs> you can, you can say it. It was pretty great. Actually. I, I can that it say it. Happened, but yeah, that was, that oh was yeah. Well that, that was, it was almost like you're at the bar and like that was my opening lines here or something. But uh, um, I mistook him for um, uh, a, a unknown or faceless uh, individual. I I mistook him for car porn. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if it was me or someone else was like, hey, that's car porn over there. I was like, why? Really? What? What's going on? So, um, But this led to a hilarious start to a wonderful conversation with you at the bar. Um, So not a lot of people, uh, I think, not a lot of people are going to know you by face or even by name. But if you are on Instagram and grading is important to you, you have to know his Instagram account, GemRate, because every month he puts out publicly available information in a very easily digestible chart that folks like me love and look forward to. He grew up in Cleveland, now, le- now lives in New York, worked in finance, advertising, data, analytics, before getting into the hobby full-time to use all those skills uh, from, from the you know non-hobby world. And I think you're going to know and love this fella, Ryan Stazinski from GemRate and GemRate.com. Welcome to the pod.
1: Nailed it. Thank you for having me on. It was great meeting you in Chicago. Excited to continue on with this relationship.
0: Awesome. So I'm so glad that I I, I went up to you because, you know, I didn't realize three things. One, that you are the person behind GemRate. Two, that you listen to my podcast. Thank you so much. That's Awesome. And three, that you're absolutely hilarious, which I would not have guessed from your content because it's about, you know, creating company pop reports. Um, so, you know, I we had just a great conversation and um, now that I'm hunting, I'm like wondering, is it because we were having adult beverages? <laughs> but so we're going to find out now, you know. Oh, God. But, yeah. Well, um, I appreciate that.
1: I mean, that's funny. I, um, I tend to be pretty dry in all the stuff I do, too, because I'm such a data junkie and I want to sort of like mm-hmm. keep that, you know. Uh, persona to some degree, but I kind of think of what you're doing here is like the hot ones of the hobby I don't know if you watch the Sean Evans stuff with the wings and you know you get a lot of uh vulnerability in your podcast I like that oh. so anyways that was exci- I like listening to it uh very excited to be a guest on it
0: you know you don't so, watch yeah. hot ones oh, no no i i I just don't have uh the interviews in person where I could like you know have the person sweat in front of me i I' definitely yes. watched hot ones I love it um there is definitely a way to get someone vulnerable by making them completely lose their senses because of insane, uh, uh, I forget what the units are, Scoville units of, uh, you know, habanero <laughs> ghost peppers. Uh, and then, you know, yes, but thank you so much. That's a really nice compliment. I, now it makes me want to go watch some of them, but um, <laughs> so this introduction, I, I, <sighs> to see how long this goes. We're going to see if this is going to go uh, long enough for two-parter or not. But um, before we get to GemRate, I really wanted to kind of get your, you know, your, um, you know, I did a little bit of a brief introduction, which thank you so much for giving me a bio. You're like the first person to actually, maybe not the first, but um, just thank you for giving me bio. Nothing against my past guests, but you actually understood the assignment. So I really appreciate that. Um, yeah, of course. And I, you know, I, I mentioned how you worked in finance and advertising and data analytics. All of this, I'm sure just dive to dovetail it it goes really neatly into what you're doing right now so is there anything that you want to kind of like share origin story not just like with work going into with your current work but like you know your your time you know like as a hobbyist and collector
1: uh no i mean look i'm i'm somebody that sort of you know i say you that bio and it really is sort of just like a non or unconventional path to sort of like where i'm at today but i I like learning you know i've heard you say the same like I, i like to sort of like being a sponge and sort of taking on as much as I can. Um, I've gotten exposure to a lot of different industries, a lot of different ways of just thinking about, you know, understanding data, understanding uh, people. And so, you know, I learned a lot about data through finance. I learned a lot about people through advertising. And then I learned a lot about just like moving fast, making mistakes and sort of building a company through startups. And so, you know, I I really wanted to sort of take my own shot. And that's sort of how I sort of stumbled into GemRate a few years ago. Um, But a lot of it has come from just really like, bringing hard to come by data to the market, whether that was in finance or whether that was in advertising or whether that was in the startup world, it's all sort of been like taking data that is not easily found and trying to wrap it in a way that makes sense. And so that's kind of what, that's the origin of like, well, that's a lot of my background and that's sort of the origin of generating in a lot of ways.
0: Okay. Um, how about you as a collector, just, you know, with the cards and the cardboard itself? Like, could you PC? Like, are you like a Browns Cavaliers fan from because you grew up there? Or are you like a, you know, Knicks Giants Jets fan? Because you're in New York.
1: Yeah, I'm, uh, I was a horrible collector early on. Uh, and then, you know, I took my long hiatus from the hobby. I just I like making transactions, you know, I'm somebody that likes to sort of like, see things move, you know, it's sort of like how I live in a lot of ways. Uh, and I am definitely like a bit of a chaos junkie. So I definitely like don't sit and hold a lot of things or at least historically mm. haven't sat and hold, held stuff for a long period of time. I'm definitely more, you know, I'm a, a Clevelander, you know, a diehard Clevelander. And so I definitely PC a lot of Cleveland players now. Mm. Um, and I like like a lot of like tier two stuff. So I try to sort of like, you know, be the first consumer of what I'm building. And so mm. I use Gem to sort of like surface like things that I just think like could have potential in the long term to be like more appreciated. Um, things that might be just like, underappreciated today and that the price sort of reflects that I'm hesitant to say undervalued because that sort of gets, you know, whatever frowned upon. But I just like things that sort of like people are overlooking. And so my pockets of the hobby definitely like speak to that. Um, and then I love Bowman, which is like one of the things that just kind of um, I didn't even know existed as a market when I first started getting back into cards in 2020. And I, I like that just because there's like a lot of information asymmetry there. You know, you can learn a lot about a prospect just watching their Instagram stories. And so, you know, there's and it, there's not a lot of people doing that. So anyways, I, I, I'm in and out of a lot of basketball stuff, a lot of Tier 2 Panini stuff, and then I do a lot of Bowman collecting. Mm. And within that, I collect like a lot. I'm big on basketball, so I collect a lot of like Evan Mobley right
0: now, for example. And – uh I'm sorry to hear all that. Um, No, I was going to say about the Cleveland Browns aspect. uh, You know, I've I've gone through your archives. I want to, you know, I do this for almost every guest. I go through their Instagram all the way to the beginning. And I've noticed that you've done specific before the pop reports for the grading companies. I feel like your content has evolved and changed. We're in the beginning. I think you did do some specific iconic cards um and sets and like uh you know they were in baseball hockey basketball pokemon that's what i could see from like at least the 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 image of the post in your feed and so in my head my joke was like man this guy does not like football and it must be because he's a a cleveland browns fan
1: (laughs) i mean look there's a lot of truth to that i mean if you're from cleveland you're number one with the browns and that's like Mm -hmm. how you you know sort, sort of how you ride and uh I just grew up in the era where the, the Indians at the time were sort of in the nineties were like hitting their stride. And I was always just a big Cavs fan and the gotcha. Browns were such a, was such a mess. And so, you know, and they've been such a mess for such a long time that franchise drives me nuts. Uh, yeah. And, you know, they just have, they're like very representative of a lot of what is, you know, something that's hard to overcome in Cleveland sometimes, which is like people are just always waiting for the other shoe to drop. And yeah. the Browns like perfectly represent that. And so anyways, I'm, I'm sort of like cautiously optimistic about the Browns, but, one, I'm not, like, as big into the NFL collecting just because it's so concentrated around quarterbacks. And two, yeah, right. I, I am, like, much less passionate about the Browns relative to how much I love the Guardians and the Cavs.
0: Gotcha. Yeah, no, I mean, I feel like the uh, you, you definitely had a great season or two with the Cavaliers with LeBron coming back. And, you know, even before he left. But that must have been a wonderful championship year to, to be a huge Cavs fan. And then the Browns, yeah, I mean... They're almost like it's, it's almost like the perfect name. With I'm not gonna make a, a terrible joke, but um, not actually, maybe this is a terrible joke. Um, the brown <laughs> bags, right? I mean, it, that's the, that's the franchise where they put the fans when they're embarrassed or they're not doing well, they put the brown bags on their the brown paper bags on their on their heads. Is that right?
1: I don't even know. I'm sure there was a point in time when that was okay. You know, well, they, they might we have... did.
0: They might have to switch from paper to plastic. I know.
1: I <laughs> Sorry. Know. That was, see, that was
0: the bad joke. I shouldn't have said it. Okay. Kids, if you're listening, <laughs> please don't put plastic bags over your heads. Although, I mean, really, just what are your parents doing? Um, okay. So I would like to start with a very basic thing because my I think the episode title for this is going to be like grading company pop reports. and. We're going to dive in deep and get a little bit more archaic or more more intermediate to advance, but I want to start with the basic of what a pop, pop report is. So I'm sure you have a definition. I asked ChatGPT what, uh, what, what it is, <laughs> so I'm just going to read it out loud, and then you just let me know if you want to add on to it. Is that okay? Yeah, perfect. All right. Uh, a pop report is a published census showing the total number of cards graded by a third-party grading company. For any given card in any given grade, e.g., Mint 10, there will be a published pop report. uh, And they don't even say that stands for population report, but okay. Pop report showing how many times the grading service has awarded that exact grade to that exact card.
1: Yep. Yeah, that's a spot on. Yeah, it is interesting to even hear them say census because in the comic book world, they actually just refer to it as a census. So um, I think Pop Reports a little bit more
0: specific to like the trading card world. Well, I mean, Skynet—that uh, was like a real thing, right? And I, I just feel like you know, you're replaceable, I'm replaceable. But they're they're, I can't wait for the next uh, podcast where it's just ChatGPT talking in the voice of Alexa. <laughs> Look, great. I love
1: I love ChatGPT. I know a lot of people uh, are skeptical of it, but it, you know, as somebody who's working with code a lot, it saves me a lot of time.
0: Yeah, no, it's awesome. Um, so you were on the Sports Cards Non-Tenth podcast with uh, Jesse Gibson and Mike Chiauseffi two months ago it was the episode June 5th. And I I forgot that I had listened to it a while ago, but I re-listened to it just to make sure that I wasn't like duplicating questions and doing too much. So I almost feel like this might be the supplemental episode to that. So if there's any listener who, who hasn't checked their podcast out, I'm actually wearing their T-shirt that I got from National. <laughs> Perfect timing. Um, you know, I heard they shouted me out on the podcast and and. Uh, all I gotta say is everything Mike said was wholly inaccurate. Um, so that's all I'll say about that. Uh, but is that Jesse, is
1: that your uh, setup to do your geo impression? Because it's it's a solid one. I'm ready for
0: it. I'm always ready for it. No, I you know I can't do that, Jesse. No, with your sausage fingers. <laughs> I feel like my Simmons was a lot better. But you know I just gotta get like get into character and like the into I don't know. Sorry, but thank you, thank you, Ryan, for asking about that. Um, and again, thank you for listening. Every download counts. (laughs) So here's the thing Uh, I want to talk about GemRate. And and again, the reason I want to say GemRate.com is I didn't, you know, GemRate is the, is the Instagram account and there's so much information, but GemRate.com is where you have a lot of the, you know, the actual raw information and a lot of like things that it's just more, much more information, but in Instagram, you know, everything has to be easily digestible and you do a really good job with that. So one of the things I love most about GemRate is that It costs my favorite amount of anything in the world, free 99. Mm -hmm. So how does gym rate work? Um, You can take this in different ways, right? Like how, how does it work from uh, a uh, business standpoint? Like, I know we've talked about it a little bit, but I want you to explain to the, to the listeners, but you know, how does it work and you can take that in in any way you want.
1: Yeah. So um, when I got back in the hobby, You know, I was definitely somebody I bought into a lot of breaks. I was like overwhelmed with just like all the information, sort of all the mistakes that I was making and sort of just like it's really hard to navigate pop reports in particular. And so uh, I, I also at the time, I don't really mention this much, but I was also somebody that was invested in options of Collector's Universe at the time because I was somebody that was pretty active in the stock market. And so I was just doing a lot to sort of understand like what was happening, how to make how can I make better sense of these pop reports and just sort of understanding the tech a little bit better. Prior to that, I was actually building a company related to finance. Um, and I was doing stuff in the DFS world where I was like, uh, that's daily fantasy sports, draft stuff like that, where I was pulling in projections from a bunch of different sources, like last minute for basketball. And so I was sort of learning how to just like pull in information from websites programmatically. Um, you could call it scraping if you'd like. I just like to say pulling in information programmatically. Um, Scraping is, is can be a, a dirty word to a lot of people. But anyways, I pull in information from the different sites. Um, and the idea is just to make it uh, a little bit more useful, package it in a way that maybe you know is consistent across the different companies. So the way that PSA talks about their population report is different than how Beckett talks about their population report, uh, different than SGC, different than CGC, And so I just wanted to tell a little bit broader of a story. Uh, and to do that, I started pulling in the information. I really was focused on PSA to start. And it was just to help me sort of think about like how many cards exist, you know, to your definition of the pop report, just like what's the sort of frame of reference or what does the landscape look like for certain sets, for certain cards, for certain players. Uh, And so I just started figuring out how I could do that with PSA's data first and went really deep into that and started to see that there's a bigger macro story that I could tell. And That's how sort of the Instagram stories and Instagram posts started to emerge. Uh, But I was really just building it for myself to understand like of all these cards that I have now, I had a ton of cards. Which ones of these are set up to grade? Could I actually make some money on these? Are these, are there, is there sort of um, certain cards in here that could be good long-term holds because they're just, you know, there's not a lot of them on the pop report, um, you know? And so just really trying to figure out like what to do with my collection was sort of the starting point. All, all these other things were jumping off points, um, but it was really just sort of, how do, how do I get the most out of my collection to figure out what I actually had? Because I had a lot of stuff. I was really big in like the 2015 Guardians. I really liked Francisco Lindor. And he was a rookie when Beckett was pretty high profile in the industry. And so if you just looked at like the PSA pop report at the time, you'd think that Lindor had like nothing graded, but it was all graded with Beckett at that time. And so I was like, well, this is kind of, this is kind of goofy. Like, I'm like, if I'm trying to understand the Lindor market, I'm just looking at PSA, I'm only telling, you know, a third of the story. And so, and, and from a seller standpoint, people always want to tell you the the sort of underreported part of the story, which is like through the lens of a single pop report, because it makes things right. look look more rare. Right. And so, I was thinking about somebody who was making a lot of purchases and not necessarily fully informed. How could I help myself understand the market a little better? And in general, how could I make this market more accessible to people who just like either don't know it as well, or the data is just hard to come by. And so that's kind of like the, like the, like, I don't know, that was like the motivating factor was just like, how can I better, how can I make better decisions for myself? But it build a tool that could be more sort of, you know, um, utilized, more broadly utilized across the hobby.
0: That is so awesome. I, I mean, I really, I, I can't wait for this uh, episode to be published for people to know that this came from a place of here's a collector buying into breaks, spending money in the hobby, just a like an everyday man. But you have this uh, skill set. You know, I'm like like Liam Neeson Take, and taking it. Like I have a particular set of skills, and I'm going to utilize them for the benefit of not just myself, but for for other people and that you're sharing this information out. I think that's fantastic. So, I mean, I, I guess I don't even have to, I was, had a follow-up question is like, do you like to grade? You do, you do grade your cards. You like to grade, you like to submit to grading.
1: Yeah, I grade, I grade a lot. I mean, that's one of the reasons I love going to the national. I didn't buy a single card, but I, I submitted cards with, you know, four different grading companies. Uh, mm. And I like to test out the different grading companies. One of the people I listen to most in the space is Neo uh, who you met also when we were at, <laughs> The, the hobby event, yes, uh, but yes. he, he's also sort of like, you know, he's big on the, the different companies play a different role uh and can sort of like service different needs in the hobby. And so I like it. I mean, you could look at my Instagram profile. I graded with HGA. I've graded with a lot of companies in the space. I'm not shy no. about it. I enjoy sort of understanding like the pros and cons, uh, you know, grading is one of these like hot buttons that people really feel um like they want to voice their opinion on. But I, I think <laughs> yes. that there's, you know, and one of the reasons that gemrate has been, uh, received pretty well is that it's information that people can use as support. And it's hilarious. Mm-hmm. People will use the same data point uh, mm-hmm. and and use it to defend Beckett and use it to defend PSA positively or, you know, right. SGC or whatever it is. And, you know, it's the same data point. They're just sort of like spinning it in a way that sort of fits their needs. And so I, I definitely grade a lot. Um, and, and I think it's a really fascinating space. Uh, but there's just been like a real lack of transparency, accountability, yeah. data in this in this space.
0: Yeah. Um, so I, I think the passion is such a double edged sword. I mean, it's good that we have it because it shows that people care. But when it gets to be overly so, when people kind of lose their minds, I mean, I, I talked about the definition of what a fanatic is in an earlier episode and you know, it's like someone who's irrational. And so we just have a ton of irrational people in this hobby space. I think that's fantastic. And what, what can go wrong, right? With that, but yeah, shout out to Neo. Uh, he was uh, sitting next to you at the bar. I think he was like the one who's saying, yeah, yeah, no, that is card porn. Just get, continue. Keep talking to him as if he's car porn. <laughs> I was like, Oh, fantastic. Oh, you know, and then, and then I found out he's the one who found out about the Atlantic city website. So shout out to Neo. Good, good guy in the hobby. Um, but can I ask you, uh, which four did you submit with? Because I know I submitted with Arena Club, which I've been making content about right now. And then soon I'll be making content about CDC. I'm not getting paid by these folks. It's more of like, like you. And the whole concept of this podcast is try different things. I submitted with PSA and Beckett, and I wanted to try yeah. different ones. So um, could you tell me which four you did it with?
1: Yeah. So I actually I submitted with PSA. I did a bulk submission with them, 30 cards. I did a Beckett submission um which was 13 cards i did a sdc submission which was like i want to say 14 cards and i did an arena submission and i also went to tag and tried to submit there but i'm I'm really big on obsidian and they don't do 55 point cards right now and they don't do Mm -hmm. die cuts and uh, obsidian is all those things and so i couldn't actually grade with them and i didn't really have anything else that i was looking to grade specifically with them to test out the service but i uh i tried i used all four of those first time using arena uh, but it's funny because, you know, oh. it's like, you know, I have a reason for all of it, right? There's, it's not just like me just like throwing, splitting them down the middle and saying like these mm-hmm. go to one, these go to another. You know, there's a, a I pre grade everything, right? So I have a spreadsheet where I'll grade it myself, yeah. determine like, okay, this is what I think the subgrades are, and then I'll send it off. Uh, so it's like a, it's a bit of a process and there's definitely like an
0: angle to it. So um, before I ask you the question, the next question I had about, you know, why you only do the four major ones, you know, PSA, BGS, SGC, and CGC in your pop reports, not actually submitting. But um, I got to say, I did two lives before National where I showed the cards that I was going to submit and then the spreadsheet or no, no, the ones that came back from grading. And it's almost like you show the cards and people just like, ooh, bright, shiny. Let me see those cards. They look really nice. So I have like, you know, like 10, a dozen people at any time in the live. And I'm like, yeah, you know, like they want to see cards. And then I ended the live and I was like, oh, I meant I forgot to do the whole spreadsheet, the part where I show the guess, gate, guessing of the grade and, you know, declared value and all that. And it's it's almost like as soon as people saw the spreadsheet, they're like, nope, not going into this live. So like, I didn't have more than like three people. It's like, oh yeah, spreadsheets are boring if you're not, I mean, it's boring to almost anyone, but unless you're in data where you have to do them all the time. And I found it, you know, I would look at someone's, you know, what their grade guesses were, but maybe I just didn't do it under an optimized way for the live where, you know, I had like something in a, a whiteboard or something, but yeah the the spreadsheets people just their eyes just glaze over them i guess
1: yeah i i uh it's hard to incorporate into youtube videos pc sports cards does a really nice job of overlaying the data like they'll actually sort of like overlay pop reports and overlay mm. things that would be in a spreadsheet uh or are in a spreadsheet but like in a way that sort of contextualizes it it's hard it's, yeah. I, I don't do any content specific to it because a lot of the data i see data sort of in the through the lens of a spreadsheet and so in mm-hmm. tables and so it doesn't really translate to visualizations quite as well um yeah. But yeah, spreadsheets are not for everybody. That's for sure, especially in this world.
0: Yeah, no, for sure. And when it comes to though, I mean, I'll give you credit. The, your Instagram posts, where you do the four major grading companies and across the months and across the gem rates, like I feel that you visually represent it in such an easy, easily digestible way. So, I guess my question that I wanted to do was: Do you only do those four major ones, or is it only because with the amount of space you have in an Instagram, you know, square that you can only fit four into the chart?
1: That's a fantastic question. Uh, It's definitely uh, a bit of both of those. Um, You know, I think there's a few things, actually. I mean, one is, you know, I just I'm trying to stick to the most, you know, reputable graders to start. And that was sort of like, you know, generate stands for trust or at least I wanted to stand for trust. And, uh, you know, I want it to be high integrity data. And so, you know, I stick with grading companies right now that I know are going to sort of update their pop reports consistently. Uh, that have pop reports right not all these emerging companies have pop reports even like you know one of our sort of uh founding principles was or at least like sources of data was that we want or ways to think about data was that we only wanted to sort of consume what the public saw we wanted to be able to explain the data if we can't explain the data we don't really want the data we don't want companies feeding us data we don't get any of the stats directly from the company that's one of the reasons we stick to the pop reports is we see the same data that everybody else sees Um, and so the main thing is you have to have a a working pop report that I I feel is like reasonably laid out and uh, able to be sort of consumed um, by a human, but also programmatically. And then beyond that, you know, I have to see sort of secondary market volume because you could grade a lot of cards at a grading company, or you could add a lot of cards to pop report that may never surface in the secondary market. And you know, this hobby doesn't have like the cleanest past. And so I'm really cautious about adding companies until I actually see volume behind the slabs. And so, you know, even though these companies, I'm rooting for a lot of them. I think they make sense. I think their sort of stance and sort of like what they're, you know what they're bringing to the hobby makes a lot of sense and is really interesting. But I'm I'm sort of um, reluctant to add them to sort of like the primetime report, the monthly report that we do because uh, they're just still you know early in the process. And it's not that I don't trust what they're doing. It's just they kind of have to be a little bit more established. You know, gemrate sort of is aligning themselves in some ways, you know, with these companies and in, in saying that these are companies that we're sort of going to bat for, that they're going to be around for a while. We're not just throwing companies in and out of this report. You know, we want consistency to be a big part of how we report. And so we just don't want to add a company and then have to sort of, you know, we've had that issue right now, like CSG, for example, their pop report was down for half this year. And that's yeah. kind of like not been ideal. I know why they're doing it and I'm okay with it, but it's like n- not ideal. And we can't have like five of those sort of instances on our reports or it just makes things hard to consume. And then, the last thing is, yeah, the design side of it, it's just, I don't want to have 10 companies on there, uh, right, especially right. if only four of them are sort of driving the significant majority of the volume. And so <laughs> there's like a tier two report that I'm thinking about doing, which is just like, mm. I'm calling it tier two, but it's more of like an emergence, emerging report, um, mm. which is just maybe a couple of slides. It's sort of like, you know, um, is a nod to the companies that are sort of newer and emerging in the space, but. And I'm very intrigued by that. And I think it makes yeah. sense, but it's also not something that I'm exactly sure I'm going to market with it yet.
0: Gotcha. Um, so one thing I wanted to ask, I, so many things I want to ask here but when you said, uh, you know why CG, CSG now CGC didn't put it up, is that publicly available or is that something that you just know and are not able to share right uh,
1: now? No, it's, I mean, it's it's publicly available in that they were reworking their data. And as I sort of saw oh, what they were doing, you know, a lot of these pop reports are subject. Look, I mean, everything is sort of for a reason in this world and pop reports are really disorganized because the manufacturers don't give the grading companies a lot of data to work with. And so mm. there's a lot of data entry. There's a lot of human error that enters the process when cards are handed off to a grading company and mm. all of them are subject to it. Uh, and so with CGC, CSG being newer, They had data entry errors that they were cleaning up, you know, they had duplicate cards on there. They're just trying to reduce errors. They were, you know, I didn't know behind the scenes that they were doing this merger, but I think as they were preparing to sort of merge the entities, they were like, let's clean up our data and make this sort of as smooth of a transition as possible. And so I could see that they were just reducing the duplicates. I could see that they were cleaning up, you know, the typos and the mislabeled parallels and things like that. And so, you know, that takes a long time to get it right. And so I could see that was happening.
0: Card manufacturers not helping the grading companies. Makes me immediately think about the potentiality of more vertical integration by fanatics. So let's not give them another reason to try to further uh, cement the uh, what what do they call it like from the from the cradle to the grave of a card type of thing. Let's I, they, I'm sure they've already thought about all of this stuff. So um, moving on. Uh, so I wanted to ask. Um, Oh, or I wanted to reiterate something that you just said, um, you know, a few minutes ago, which was that you don't take any um insider information, you don't get fed any information. Uh, there's no bias with data and information. What you what you provide is what the public can find out by themselves if they wanted to. It's just that people are lazy and people don't want to, but like you don't get anything fed, you don't have any insider information, you don't have like connections into the great company. I'm sure you talk to some of the higher level folks, but you're not skewing anything right I mean you're completely unbiased right
1: yeah I mean look I'm as unbiased as I can be and objective as I can be Uh, yes to that point like everything we consume is what the public sees Um, nobody pays us to you know we've had Mm -hmm. companies approach us to you know looking for inclusion in the pop report Uh, Mm -hmm. you know we've had all the companies in some ways shape or form has sort of asked us about you know API integrations if we'd be interested and I'm just not interested in ways that I can't sort of have a little bit more insight into and sort of you know if somebody asks me questions and if i can't explain it
0: yeah. that's
1: not productive for anybody um so so yes that's definitely like a foundational uh or fundamental to how we're thinking about the data and, and no. again it's all it's all free you know one of the things that we're really thoughtful about is you know we're, we understand that we we are pulling information from other sites that are making this data available and we don't mm. want to sort of like siphon traffic away and we don't want to mm. sort of like monetize the thing that's exactly on their website right so we have to have some opinion or some sort of like way that we're adding value before we think about sort of how we're going to you know monetize what we're doing and so you know i I try to just remove friction i'm trying to i link out to all the grading company sites like my my big sort of you know my when i put on like my podcast politician hat is like the better data the more confidence people will have in the industry the more people that will Enter the industry, right? And so, like that's the pitch I make: is, is you think about like fanatics and collectors and all these companies that want the pie to grow, you need to have better data. And so, this is like an entry point to just allowing people to sort of make better sense of it. Um, and yes, it's but it's all it's all what the public sees. And so, I'm just wrapping it a little bit differently.
0: Better ingredients, better pizza. Papa John's, not an <laughs> official sponsor. I'm a little
1: Caesar's guy. Little Caesars yeah, little Caesar's fight so that hard.
0: Yeah, no. When you said better data, better transparency leads to better result, I, I'm like better, better, better. And then you said the word <laughs> pie, and I'm like pizza pie, easy, easy link in my head. The synapses yep. were just firing right off for that dad joke.
1: Okay, so for me, I really do not like Papa John's. So sorry, sorry.
0: It's bit. so yeah. You're gonna have to. Yeah, you're gonna have to get a little creative with the R- Roman Empire for your uh, branding then, or something. <laughs> um, so, okay, that's the last time I'll say that the, that pizza company, uh, because you are you are <laughs> the guest of this pod. I want to make you feel comfortable. Um, Thank you. So, I will say uh, I will ask you. Um, we were talking about you know how does GemRate work, and then you did a really great job explaining about just everything surrounding it, but. Not definitely not asking for specific numbers, but how does it work from a business model then? Because you, you know, it's free for us. It's free for the grading companies. Like you're not doing this for free, I imagine. Like how, how does that aspect of things work for you?
1: Yeah. So real quick on the background, I mean, I was, you know, I had the luxury of sort of bootstrapping this for two years. I had a very, very small exit from a startup that I had worked at prior, which basically gave me two years to sort of a runway of not working full time and just trying to dive into something that I was passionate about and see if I could. You know, string it together and build a company. And so that was basically what I did, which is I, I just had a lot of belief that this data set could be used in a lot of different ways. Um, and if I could sort of compile it in a way that wasn't going to, you know, you know, uh, put me in the poorhouse, then I would approach it. And, you know, it's, it got dangerously close at times. Uh, but... It's, you know, it's expensive to sort of do what I'm doing in the sense that, you know, I I look at the pop reports every day and pull the data in every day, but that's really important to me in the sense that I want to be able to explain what's going on and if there's inconsistencies or things I need to be aware of, and that just requires daily recording of the data. Um, As it relates to sort of like the monetization side of it, so I actually, GemRates was entered into a B2B accelerator. So what that means is I'm with a cohort of companies that are, you know, it's the, the B2B accelerator is much more focused on like lifestyle. So I won't go into like the whole spiel about venture capital, but like, I think the sports card market was overcapitalized. Like, I just think that too much money came in for how large the market was at the time. And people got caught up with crypto and a lot of different ways, NFT, and a lot of different ways the market could expand. Um, and then, you know, obviously things corrected and they corrected pretty hard. Um, at the time, I was just like focused on like, what could I build that sort of would, would sustain sort of, a, you know, the ups and downs in the market. And I just felt like if I built a tool for collectors, which is what GemRate is focused on, we would be able to sort of like withstand ups and downs. Uh, beyond that though, I was really interested in like, okay, what can I do to sort of like scale the efforts? And so this B2B accelerator, which is really focused on like lifestyle companies, it's not necessarily focused on like venture capital. It's not necessarily focused on like home run exits, right? Like venture capital is geared towards like, um, you know, these outsized returns, hundred million dollar plus billion dollar plus outcomes. I just don't know that like the way that I sort of see GemRate working in a, in a sort of like, um, um, organic fashion that that's like what I, what I envisioned. And so I wanted to be able to have more discretion over the timeline. I wanted to be a little bit more, uh, able to sort of like react to market trends and sort of feedback. And so this, this accelerator called tiny Seed I joined gave me some of that flexibility. It's not a ton of money, but it was enough to at least like pay myself a bit and cover some bills. And I joined that in November. Um, on top of that, we started to monetize and we actually sell the package data, so again, I don't want to do anything that the companies could directly do themselves, right? So like mm-hmm. PSA has APIs, SGC has APIs, Beckett will have APIs. If companies can give those APIs directly, I'm not really adding any value. I'm just sort of pulling in the data and doing the same thing that those companies are doing individually. So a lot of our IP has been around merging the data and building this universal pop report, which has sort of like been my vision for a while, but it's not one that took a long time of collecting data and sort of like piecing together how I wanted to do that. Uh, but we, we started to make this universal pop report data available. It's not in a pop report in the sense if you go to a website, right? But if it's like, if you gave me a card and you wanted to see a 2019 Zion Williamson Prism Silver, and you wanted to see what that the grading stats look like for all grades across all the companies, we could give you that. And that's not something any ind- individual grading company could give you, right? So that was where a lot of our IP sort of stems from. And so that is what we make available to a lot of the collection tools. So like your car, any... any tool with the name card in it is using this to some degree well not at everyone but a lot of them so like your card ladders of the world um card hedge card base they're using this data um but we're also making it available to auction houses you'll start to see it uh a little bit more prominently on auction house websites and they're using it to sort of contextualize cards right so you know with pricing data you want to understand it's kind of like the stock market you know obviously like that that can be triggering for a lot of people but it's like a stock market in the sense of like there's a price and their shares outstanding, and what we're delivering to people is a lot of these companies have the price. We're delivering sort of like the population or the shares outstanding part of this equation. So when you're entering the market and you're looking at contextualizing, is this card appropriately priced? Is there a potential for appreciation? We're sort of handing people the the population or the shares outstanding part of that equation today. So that's how we're monetizing today. There's other ways, but that's sort of like the the entry point for us at this
0: stage. Wow, that's awesome! Thank you so much for that comprehensive explanation. Um... <laughs>
1: Is that your nice way of saying really long and no? No, no, it's not. No? I, I
0: it just gives me a lot of um conversational threads. I mean, the first thing I wanted to say was, I think I'm am I a tool with the name card Denny cards? Am I a tool? So
1: do, do I have to pay for
0: this information? Uh, no, but um, no, this is really, I, I hope people gained a lot of information from that. So B2B for the people who are not aware, business to business and accelerator again, venture capitalists. I mean, again, like a bubble was created. We all know that. Um, And, you know, just the run-up was, was really large. I wasn't there for it, but just hearing from everyone as to how crazy and wild it was, um, you know, venture capitalism is, is definitely in and out of the hobby. And, you know, when you're talking about outsized returns, I immediately think of like, you know, Zion and the ultra-modern quarterbacks. Like, you know, these <laughs> – everyone wants, like, the 10X and higher returns. And it's like – I don't know. I mean, it's just um, – it wasn't sustainable, I think. But, no, I'm glad. I mean, you know, I'm glad that you were able to bootstrap for two years. I mean, I'm sure you don't because you, you had to go through it. But, tiny, you mean know, the word the name is in there. It says Tiny Seed. It wasn't going to be, like, a huge seed. So, But I'm glad it, uh, you got it off the ground. Yeah, um, thanks. So, okay. I'm done with all my jokes. Uh, No, there will be more later, but let's, let's continue. Um, We're about the 36 minute mark. Okay. So here's the thing. Um, When I listened to Jesse and Mike talk with you about the, um, I think it was the May pop reports and you gave a Mm -hmm. rundown, you know, right now we're recording at the, uh, at the start of August. And at, in that podcast episode, you mentioned how Well, you mentioned, you know, many things, but like, you know, PSA was dominant with 85% of the market share. Then there was a dip uh, in May. Um, TCG, like I want to get into that a little bit about how dominant TCG is in grading companies. Um, But you also mentioned that what that June may look good with maybe a pre-national spike. Um, so I just kind of want to see a, a two month check-in with that information. Let, you know, maybe get a little, a little bit more granular if, if you're okay with that. Cause I didn't really prep you to say that I was going to ask you about that. No, ahead. no, no.
1: Yeah. I mean, look, I publish these reports every month and I, I do quickly like lose that information cause I'm shifting context so fast, but what it yeah. speaks to, or speaking to that podcast in particular, like I would say I was wrong in sort of my prediction there in the sense that. I thought that the PSA sports card special would have started to hit the pop report sooner. I thought it was going to be productive for them. They did basically ran a nineties plus sports card special for 15 bucks, right. Or whatever it was, or it was something really affordable. Um, and that's a lot of cards. That's the significant majority of cards that have been sort of <laughs> produced, uh, and sort of matter to a lot of collectors outside of, you know, obviously the vintage market. And so, um, I guess it's by definition, but anyway, the, uh, the special has seems to be well received, but it's definitely not hitting the pop report to the degree that I thought it would. And so, like you know, I think July was at four percent for PSA, four um, percent versus June and four percent year over year, which is like not massive. Uh, you know, they're still they're still down off their highs. They were doing one point two million a month earlier this year, and they're they did uh, just over a million. I think they did a million forty thousand in July, around that. And so, you know, they're they're still they've got a really high floor at this stage, but they're not like necessarily they're being um carried by TCG still to what you to the point you're making earlier like they just opened up PSA Japan and if you dig into the July numbers a lot of their strength in July was through opening up that office they basically opened up that office and started doing 10,000 more TCG cards a day in mid-July and so you know without that I make that point to only say if you strip that out it actually would have been potentially a down month you know had that happened though PSA might have put a little bit more urgency around like grading these sports cards and getting having them hit the pop report. I don't want to be so um, naive to think that like people are <laughs> or um, you know working day in day out to sort of like hit have numbers hit the pop report that Generate's going to report on. Like people aren't obviously like doing things internally to sort of or at least like not at a grand scale to sort of like make sure that their Generate numbers are good every month. I'm sure there's some like things in the margins people do. But anyway, point being, it's like, you know, there's some engineering that's happening here, population engineering. Like PSA knows sort of like, okay, we're gonna have Japan strong now, so we don't necessarily need to have like the sports card special hit. And I'm not exactly saying that's what's happening, but like Mm. if I'm looking in behind the scenes, like they're probably comfortable knowing that like, look, we're gonna have this sports card special hit and that's gonna hit in August, right? And so they did like Mm. not, they didn't have like necessarily the strongest promotion uh, offered to collectors in August, which was like a 60s focused sports card special, right? And a reholder special. So my point with that is just like I feel like they kind of know that they have a backlog that's going to hit the pop report. So they can kind of like pull these levers to be like show this trajectory. And again, it's not really gemry focused. It's more like internally how do we sort of continue to show progress. And so I think a lot of that's happening. And I was I <laughs> this was a long winded answer of saying I was not right in the sense of like I thought sports cards were going to be a little bit more of the story in July. And I think it's going to be a bit more of the story in August instead. But PSA mm-hmm. Japan opening and TCG sort of hitting, TCG was 50% of the cards graded in July for PSA. Wow. Like that's massive. That's, wow. That is a massive number that I don't think anybody could have imagined even a year ago. They were doing 200,000 TCG cards a month. Now they're doing over 500,000, right? So yeah. it's a massive number uh, and it's 50% of cards being graded right now. And I think it's still sort of potentially going to take share of the overall market. So it still may, may
0: even be early there. I mean, I'm just doing the math quick in my head. Was 200,000 cards a month TCG, and now 500,000 cards per month. That's 300,000. There's 30 days in on average on a month, so that's that is 10,000 more per day, which sounds absolutely insane. But again, I mean, I don't even know. I have no like, uh, you know, my kids collect Pokemon, and 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 they're and they're just kind of. I'm not into Pokemon as much, uh, but that is just so impressive. Um, so let's say you strip away all the Pokemon. Is PSA's market share just lower uh, from from a, from a sports card standpoint?
1: Um, I don't know if it's lower from a share standpoint, but it's lower from a volume standpoint. Like what I mean by that is I think basketball has sort of been the biggest headwind. Basketball for PSA, for example, was doing like 200 to 250,000 a month a year ago. It's only doing like 90 to 100,000 right now so it's down by 60% of where it was right or it's off 60% from where it was it's ties. um that is a big headwind and I don't think that's a PSA specific headwind although PSA definitely benefited from all the momentum in basketball during the peak of uh, you know the pandemic and so that's that's a, a major headwind uh but I don't think it's PSA specific but it is definitely like they like this hobby kind of needs one to to be productive <laughs> Uh, because it does, it trickles down into a lot of other rookies and vets. And you could see, mm-hmm. saw what happened. I mean, it's not, you know, the, it was an avalanche, but I do think like the snowball started with like Zion and jo- Zion Zion and job being collectible. Yeah. And right. a lot of these other marginal players were hit in packs and breaks and all these different things that people right. just started grading to sort of like bail themselves out. Right. I think that, you know, if you have a Wembenyama that, is sort of driving that market. You could see like a, 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 some, a productive basketball market, but it's been, it really has sort of like limited the upside. So that's the reason where like to your question at the start, like they would be down, like sports are down year over year. And so, and it's mostly driven by basketball. Wow. You actually see baseball is okay. And football is okay. But basketball is just getting crushed from, from the highs.
0: Wow. Um, I'm putting a pin on my notes. Minute 42. This hobby needs when Banyama. I am going to figure out if it, whether I'm going to make that into a, a clippable. clipable. <laughs> Uh, thing for my promos for the for the podcast, but no, that's oh my goodness, you you are so knowledgeable. Um, thank you for all this information. Um, and yeah, please go as long as you want because I, I'm just I'm just learning. I'm you know, what's great about this is like I don't really edit my my podcast episodes with the stream yard, but it's almost like I am like the the uh, premier audience of my own content where I get to learn all this and then a few days later I'll publish it. I mean, it depends on when cause I have to do my own chapter episode about grading, but I can't wait for people to hear what you're saying. And I, I think I have to do it really soon because like you said, like, it's almost like, I don't know if you would agree agree with this, but, but like every day, every week, definitely every month, uh, the, the grading landscape is shifting. Yeah. I
1: mean, well, one, I appreciate the feedback. Um, and, to you know like you're saying like I, you know being sort of the biggest consumer of what you're building is is fun and so i think that keeps it really authentic and organic and sets this up for success so um i definitely could appreciate that and yeah i mean look the grading landscape is like it gets a lot of attention and it is pretty dynamic in the sense of just like there's a lot of news a lot of noise and a lot of opinions and so you know you know these things i'm saying could definitely change i do think these broader trends of like tcg is here to stay i think basketball needs a resurgence to sort of like Bring some more upside into the grading uh, yeah. industry, but yes, I would definitely, definitely things that we're starting to see emerge or trends that I'm watching
0: at least. Absolutely perfect, thank you. Um, now I'm going to figure out what I think that we might have to make this a two-parter because. I haven't even gotten to the questions from Instagram, uh, from folks where I made a post like, Hey, I'm going to, I didn't say it was going to be you, but I said, you know, I'm going to have a discussion with someone about (laughs) and I have some really good questions for you. However, the first one I have to ask you, and this might be the start of part two, can we talk about declared value? Because that is the hardest thing for any submission that I have, um, where PSA or, you know, anyone, but they're like, Hey, take a guess as to what your card's going to cost.